0: Out. Yeah, talking about way out there. Behind!
1: Woo! Why that? Silence in a little bit. Schrader takes. It's a two-man rush. Schrader steps Dump up. It. Pop pass up in the middle.
2: Hucker's got it. Ruby run. 15, 10, hit! hit in! Furnor's touchdown! The Bills make me wanna shout! Allen looks to his left. Fires left side. It's going oh, to the end zone! Stephon Diggs makes a catch! Touchdown, Buffalo! Swing and a miss! It is over!
3: ESPN Radio 97.7 100.1 ESPN Radio Yeah. The Corona Heard 96.5 FM Heard Wherever you are Whatever you are doing on the ESPN App Seen, heard, and everything In between on the mighty QSportsTalk.com Place where you can watch a radio show as it happens. Just let that rattle around in your mind for a minute here. Watch a radio show. Participate with said radio show in the live chat that's going on at QSportstalk.com. Get your own show, the show within the show. The secret show. There's a secret show? What's the password? Well, just uh, watch on QSportstalk.com. The password is New England Clam Chowder. Watch. During radio breaks. Bow, just blowing your mind all over the place here. We know. We know. It's it's just come on in. Be part of the Cool Kids Club. All you got to do is uh, go to QSportsTalk.com. It's all happening there. Of course, uh, it's happening on the radio as well. Your participation uh, wide open today. You know, there's just some days I know it's just not worth booking guests on this show. And I have a sense that today is going to be uh, one of those days. Four three seven seventy six forty four is the phone number. Brent Dax Media on Twitter and the live chat at QSportsTalk.com as we will spend uh, most of the day discussing uh, the events of last night and what the events going forward as a result of last night certainly will be. And uh, shout out uh, to our friend Dro if he's out there because I don't do this often. And Dro certainly has appreciated it in the rare times that we have. If if I'm breaking this out, you know, coming off a rough, day. there's been some rough days lately. There's been some bad losses lately, right? Certainly we could break out a dramatic reading of your tweets from last night, but uh, I don't know. This just felt better. I'm here for you on me when you're not strong i'll be your friend we're all friends here. there you go dro that's just for you that's just for everybody out there use a little left right now use a little therapy here dr axe is in session at 437-7644 on twitter Brent Axe media and in the chat at qsportstalk.com let's dive in shall we There's a lot to process from not just last night, but what it represents big time. We are in a crossroads here between micro and macro. And that's something that I, if you watch this show on QSportsTalk.com, if you listen to this program, you know that I'm big on that. I think you have to separate the two. I think you can talk about the two concurrently. Sometimes the micro takes more focus than the macro, but it's hard for the two not to be related to each other at this point. Right? So we will go over both. here. I wrote this column today, and I will reiterate this to you now. For all the discussions we've had about the future of this program and who will be running it, the status of Jim Beheim as head coach, when he'll retire, when he'll step aside, whatever the case may be, that has always come with when you take a stance on something that big, and there is nothing bigger than that, that somebody in my position as a radio host, as a columnist, as a star of Twitter, to take a stance on, right? The position of a head coach at a major program, right? For all the discussions we've had and the hundreds of times I've been asked this question on various interviews, I did four interviews today with people before I did my own show. Right. Because certain events happen and it brings out people to react to it, to get the sense of what fans are talking about, status of the program, that whole thing. Right. And I'm blessed that and and very fortunate. And I I thank those people that reached out today that wanted to talk to me about that, because I am in a unique position here where I am at the crossroads of the fans on this radio show, on social media, uh, as a columnist, uh, corresponding with people. But I've never had the feeling that this could be it. And I've always said, I will not share that until I feel it, until it's genuine. You know, when people thought last year could be it, losing season, got to coach his sons. said, no, it it just doesn't, I don't feel it. It's okay if you have that opinion, you're entitled to that opinion, but I don't feel it. Right, Because as much as I, I have an opinion, and you have an opinion on it, to be genuine in the conversation, I've got to feel it. Because once you kind of cross that bridge, there's no going back. Once you ring that bell, you can't unring the bell. Right. So I'm not going to even entertain the possibility of taking any sort of public stance on it until I feel it. And I haven't felt it until last night. Folks, this is 100% genuine for me. I have never felt that this could be it until last night. The combination of how they played against Georgia Tech and how Jim was at his press conference, which I think was phenomenal, to be honest with you, given the circumstance. And so we're going to listen to the clips because I thought Jim was accommodating. He was I mean, polite. He was... Uh, humble, He was uh, almost apologetic at times, certainly taking a lot of the blame himself on the performance of the defense specifically. But, you know, the whole thing falls on him. And I give Jim a lot of credit for that. I mean, if you're coming in there guns blazing after losing four straight games by 17 or more points, then I don't know. That's that's probably not the right approach. But there was something about that press conference last night, combined with how the teams has been playing, and again, micro versus macro, right? Just everything that's built up to this. That I am now of the mind frame, I am not going to make the prediction that Saturday could be his last game coaching in the Dome. I am not going to state here whether I think it should be. But I can tell you how I feel. That's At the heart of it, that's my job my job is to tell you how i feel what i think sometimes what i know it is to entertain it is to inform it is to you know there's the uh, there's a great little insider thing adam shine talks about this a lot and this is just kind of insider sports radio jargon but at the poke scale if i in the course of 2 hours on this radio show have passion opinion knowledge entertainment right that's a show Right. Jim Valvano gave that great speech one time. If you laugh, if you cry, if you think in a day like that's a day. So if I bring you on this radio program on a daily basis, passion, opinion, knowledge, entertainment, the poke scale, then I feel like at the very least I can check that box and I've done my job. in the mix of all these things. But there's no F in there and the F is feeling. That, that doesn't have a, a, a nice, you know, abbreviation. Pokef. No, that, that, that doesn't make sense. Sounds like you're mispronouncing poker when you're drunk. Hey, my patient, poketh. But F is in there and feeling. I had never had that feeling until last night. But now I do. And I don't know what's going to happen. I'm not going to predict what's going to happen. And, you know, John Wildack was even on these airwaves yesterday saying, you know, we'll do what we always do. We'll sit down at the end of the season. We'll figure this out. We have learned so many lessons in the past from this team. And right now to say this sounds foolhardy. But. Man, they have taught us so many lessons in the past. Jerry McNamara talked about this earlier today on Origination. I'm going to play some of the clips later, but that was one of the times I broke out the lean on me clip. And I see our friend Drow is standing by, wants to give us a shout out here. You know, uh, no one interrupts the monologue, but. Uh, I'm going to break that rule here to hear from our friend, Dro, who appreciates that uh, we gave him the shout-out there. It's that kind of day, Dro, right? We we needed a little lean on me today, right?
2: You know what? It was a long time ago, and we have a lot of history, Brent, going back to March 30th, uh, 2003, when I met you in Albany for the first time at the bar when Syracuse punched that spot in the final four. I came out and gave you a big hug. And, you know, the lean on me. So we've had a lot of great calls over the years. Um, And I think you and I have been on the same page more often than not. Um, But let me say this. Mm -hmm. Uh, I do agree with you here once again. I'm not sucking up to you. But I felt it last night in this Mm -hmm. interview. And I said, you know what? I I think if if it's not this year, I I personally think that it was going to be next year. And I think it still could be, but I think you're going to have an announcement now. Because the problem now is you're losing the fan base. People are getting upset. People are upset to see Jim going through this. Some people are happy, and they he deserves it, whatever that. I have my own opinion on that. But I do have a feeling that we're going to hear something with a plan within Two weeks of the season ending. Without I think, you're spot and-
3: I think that's the situation we're in here. And like you said, we are in sync on that. I was I was going there with, with this conversation and and uh, good to hear your voice and get your, your perspective and your opinion on this. And it's funny, you bring up two thousand three with the anniversary coming up this weekend. That that's our anniversary too, going back to you know, happier times in a in a great sports bar in, in Albany adjacent to that arena where Syracuse, you know, clinched its its bid to continue its pursuit of the national championship. Good to hear from Drew there. That's what I also think is is starting to happen before our very eyes. Now, you got a game against Wake Forest on Saturday. You have an ACC tournament, which it is now in the realm of possibility that Syracuse could fall back to Tuesday. If Boston College beats Georgia Tech and – even now you can go through the scenarios if both Syracuse and BC lose then Syracuse stays on Wednesday if BC wins and BC's been hot lately playing this Georgia Tech team that just beat Syracuse last night and Syracuse loses Syracuse plays on Tuesday at the ACC tournament and the thought of losing six in a row down the stretch if they do lose to Wake Forest and if they lose to a, a Louisville or a Notre Dame whoever they would play on a Tuesday like man that's you can't go off the rails more than that. But I think what Drew says is kind of where I'm going here. I think what we're seeing, again, there's a game and then there's a tournament. I've learned too many lessons from this team. Not to write anything decisively in ink until it's done. 2006 comes to mind. That team not only lost to DePaul, but as Jerry McNamara brought up earlier today on these airways, also in his senior day, How dare Villanova come in, in the first of many record-setting crowds at the Dome and beat Syracuse decisively, and then they made that incredible run in the Big East tournament. Now, I don't think this team is anywhere close to the capability of doing that in the ACC tournament, particularly if they got to play five in a row. But I've also learned too many lessons from sports to make some kind of declarative statement about that as to not look like an ass down the road. But I think what has presented itself here is... We are no longer in a world where the luxury of the decision about Jim Beheim remains a closely guarded secret. Other than knowing whether he's coaching again or not. I feel like whatever that plan is needs to be and will be laid out. If that's the plan that Jim called this show is just about a year ago that happened to tell us about whatever the case may be, whatever he feels it's right. And, that's what's best for the team because think about how fast things move today. Transfer portal opens up. Okay, you got to get out there and start restocking now, right? So this whole, you know, hey, let me take the summer to think about it, I'll let you know kind of thing, that doesn't fly anymore. I think they know that. I'm not sitting here stating that like they're ignorant today. I think they know that. But I think as Dro noted there, You now have to take into account what the feeling is. You have to re-energize a fan base because what we're slipping into, I mean, you go through the stages of grief, the people are in the acceptance mode. now. There's still disappointment, but now it's like, okay, I'm, I'm almost accepting the fact of where this program has fallen to. And to see how resigned Jim was last night, to what he had seen, not only in that game, but the last four games. Duke, Clemson, Pitt, I mean, that's one thing. It's explainable. These are really good teams. No one wants to lose by 17 or more points three games in a row, but you can say, like, that's a explainable blip on the radar. To add Georgia Tech to the mix, a team that was 257th in the country offensively. Ken Palm, 15 out of 15 offensive efficiency in the ACC. I mean, no matter what metric you want to throw at me, Georgia Tech came in and boat raced you last night. 18 three-pointers, a defense that has, we saw man-to-man defense last night. What more do I really have to say? So now that changes things with, at the very least, two games to go. But the micro and the macro, as I have talked about often on the show, are really button heads here. And now think about what we go into Saturday. The juxtaposition of celebrating the high point of the Jim Beheim tenure versus what we are seeing now, which is the low point, and not just now that lost that game. The second year in a row that, in all likelihood, they missed the tournament. They're either – I don't think they're going to fall to a losing record because if they lose two straight, then they're 16-16. and But hovering around there and just what the general feeling was. I mean, last night – uh, yeah, 18,000 plus was the list of attendance. If there was 10,000 people in their butts and seats, I, I think we'd we'd be overestimating, right? So there's just a lot of factors in play here. So Jim says he's got a plan. John Wildhack says he's got a plan. When that plan gets enacted, whatever it is, it has to be done as soon as possible. When the season's over, that's the feeling right now short of some sort of miracle happening, some sort of parachute opening that changes the conversation. But this has been a stunning free fall, which, by the way, remember happened in just how sports can still amaze you in the plots that it throws your way. They beat NC State. High point. Great win. Finally got that signature win over a quality opponent they had come so close to getting. Feeling good, winning three in a row, going into this stretch we knew would be tough, playing about as well as you could be. Finally got a balanced effort in that NC State game instead of kind of the pockets that we've seen from this team. And since then, just absolute Tom Petty free falling, particularly on the defensive end. The hallmark, the signature, the rubber stamp, Of the Jim Beheim era, that 2-3 zone, just defense in general, but specifically the zone, just shredded apart. Jim Beheim hinted at it last night. Look, I I don't want to speculate about these things, but he brought it up. You know, Chris Bell at practice this week was going to start, but there were six plays in a row. He just didn't give any effort. Some people have, have brought this up today. You know, have you ever seen something like this before? I mean, we haven't seen anything like this before, just by numbers losing four straight games by 17 or more points. You know, the last time three in a row it happened was the 1961-62 season. Three straight games losing to teams that had scored 90 against you. That's rare. I mean, the stats, you can look them up. You can look at the book. But have I seen anything like this before? Um, yes is the answer, but the uh, it, I can count them on one hand. The DePaul situation I brought up, the end of Jerry's senior year, which turned out, well, nobody tends to remember that because of you know, the overrated conversations and winning the Big East tournament, and it turned out okay. Part of which will be celebrated when Jerry's number goes to the rafters on Saturday, along with Hakeem Warwick, of course. I recall this is twelve years ago, I believe. Back in the old Big East days, I watched a Syracuse team quit against Seton Hall. And I distinctly remember getting a unexpected call from Jim that next day to dispute that. And I am very careful about that. I don't think we saw a team quit last night. I just think we saw a team lose its desire and and had its heart ripped out. And it's hard to go out there and engage when your heart's not in. it. I don't think they quit. I just think (sighs) reality has hit them square in the face. That's different. It's a very short list of moments that I've seen teams like this go into you look at the situation it, distractions and things that have happened you know god bless our friend eric dievendorf but he had you know an off the court situation that provided a distraction for the team and i'm not telling tales out of school he'd be the first person to discuss that and certainly he's matured beyond that and become the devo we know and love today and there's been you know a lot of personal situations and a lot of things that have kind of leaked out and become sources of conversation. Billy edelman remember that? Like, I, things will pop in my head. But it is a short list that I can look at and say, okay, they've been in this spot before. And most of the time, a solution presented itself either right away or not too far after that. This feels different. For the first time, I truly feel like this could be it. I think we saw the beginning of the end. Whenever that ending is, if that's in the ACC tournament this year, if that's next year, I have not felt that way until about 9.05 p.m. last night. So now we wait, and now we see in the short term, in the micro, how this team reacts on Saturday and next week in Greensboro, and how everybody else involved, from Ken Severu, John Wildhack on down, to make the the ultimate macro decision. 437-7644, Brent Dax Media on Twitter and the live chat, talk.com. I know you guys have a lot to say about not only this game, but just kind of State of the Union, where we're at right now here on March 1st. And as we're going to go over some of the clips next, uh, I heard Jim Bayheim, and he, this was the right answer, but I heard Jim Beheim talk As confidently about something as I never thought I would hear him discuss on March first at that press conference last night. And we'll tell you what that is next. But first we see how the markets reacted as the calendar flips from February to March. Our friend Lee Baldwin here to tell us all about that. Lee, how you doing, bud?
0: I'm doing well, Brent. Uh, no March Madness yet in the stock market. We were flat a little bit lower. Um, but we did have a, we do have a diamond in after hours right now. Salesforce is up about 16 bucks on a, a big revenue gain. So uh, that's in a, on the good side. And the dog, I'm going with electric car or truck maker Rivian with a uh, stunning 18 point drop after low production forecast. And there you have it.
3: Thank you, Lee. Always appreciate it, my friend. Uh, Colgate, by the yeah. way, looking pretty good. Looking pretty good again. They, they've put together a nice season again. So. Here we go. Matt Langle, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, he's he's a very good coach, and I'll just kind of leave it at that.
0: He's a really good guy, too. So,
3: boom. Good combination there. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Lee. That's Lee Baldwin, folks. You can find him at LeeBaldwin.com, or better yet, go go see him in person. Say hello. Hey, Mike. I know that voice. You're the guy on the radio. Hey, Bill, I know that voice. You're the guy on the radio. Yeah, and they also do stocks, too. Go see them, see them all the diamonds and none of the dogs on your portfolio. We'll come back. You're on the block, ESPN Radio.
2: ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> this is On the Block with Brent Axe.
3: I don't know about you guys, but you want to put me in a good mood. Play a lot of Tom Petty. Everybody. I'm back, baby. Tonight we welcome back to you, or welcome aboard to you. 437-7644. The chat at QSportsTalk.com. Rant away, friends. Dr. Axe is in session here. Uh, I do want to listen into what Jim Beheim said last night because... I have to give Jim a lot of credit for this. I mean, a month ago, we're talking about I don't like your attitude and going after student reporters and consecutive press conferences, and then the Pete Thamel article, which resulted in a myriad of apologies and walkbacks from Jim Beheim. See what all these things have in common is that's when Jim is in the fight. Right, they're playing close games. They're losing close games, but they're in these games. And look, I wanted to find this clip. I know I have heard it on Jim's radio show, and I don't want to misquote him here. But there was a clip we played a few weeks ago when this team was still in the fight. And again, I'm paraphrasing here, but I know that Jim said something along the lines of, it'd be one thing if we were losing games by 15, 20 points then you would have a point about us, and I think it was about being out of contention or something along those lines, but I, I don't want to put words in his mouth. Here we are. March 1st, and as he said last night, literally, I was stunned to hear this. He's not wrong to say it, but... Pride. You play for pride. You get ready to play. Um, I've I'm,
1: I'm always been impressed with teams. Georgia Tech's not going anywhere. they played really hard, really well tonight. And that's what you're supposed to do. You go out there and you've got to, you're playing for pride. Uh, your individual pride, your team pride, um, we let that go today. We let the pride that we have in our team down today. We didn't play like it was important. I, I, I say that, but I think they were trying every play. But we just didn't execute defensively. We didn't rotate. We didn't get up to the high post. When we got the ball in the short corner, we let the guy out of the trap there. Um, I think we were trying, but I just don't think we executed. That's the bottom line.
3: March 1st in Syracuse, New York. You're asked, what are you playing for? And the answer is pride. Which, again, is not the wrong answer. Jim said it last night. I believe we even have the clip here. We're going to listen to a few more as we go here. But, you know, the ACC tournament is just unlikely at this point, winning it. They might have to win five in a row. They could fall to the Tuesday game at the ACC tournament. That's the situation you put yourself in here with the free fall we've seen at the end of the year. But let me just say this as we get into more clips. Jim was humble, apologetic, accommodating. Almost downright polite in that situation when no one would have put it past him if he came in there and gave two word answers and just wanted to be anywhere else in the world but that press conference. It was different. It felt different. I wasn't surprised that that happened. Right? Like Jim knows. Like he's not going to come in there and pretend that we, you know, we didn't see what we didn't see. But there's a difference when you're in the fight versus when you're not. And I think he knows. Like he's resigned himself to the fact like we're pretty much out of the fight here. They're going to play Wake Forest. They're going to go to the ACC tournament. They still have at the very minimum two games to play in, prepare for, and show that pride that he's discussing here. So no one's saying just, you know, pack it in here, but man, this just feels different than those other situations they went into where on March 1st, you're saying play yourself onto the bubble, play yourself into this seed, play yourself into Boy, the tournaments in Buffalo, let's clinch that, right? Like the conversations we've had in the past, pride was the answer. It was the correct answer, but it's still one that stings that that is, in fact, the answer. People have wondered if something's going on. Brian Higgins had a great point about this earlier. It's a promo running on the station today with this. Is there some sort of internal distraction? Is something happening? What's the chemistry of the team? Which is interesting because this is all on one side of the ball. Offensively, they're they're fine, right? Like, yeah, you could use more balanced offense from people. Yeah, you know, Benny Williams drops twenty four than last night. He's just average. Joe hasn't been at his average as of late. You know, but Judah, Jesse, you had enough offense to be in the game. It's just the defense is so bad that no matter how good your offense is, you're not going to keep pace. So when you say, oh, there's a distraction here, why is it only on one side of the court where that distraction is affecting things? Because, I mean, this is my theory on it, defense is desire. Defense is something that comes from within that a distraction can get in the way of. So I don't know. But Jim inferred something that happened at practice and why Chris Bell didn't start. Yeah, he was going to
1: start the last this game and then practice yesterday. He didn't do anything for, like, six consecutive plays. Literally. He was going to start tonight.
3: So, yeah, you can't put a player in if you're seeing that at practice, that the desire, to use that word, is not there. That's been an issue with Chris all year with rebounding, and now he's got the wrap on his hand. I don't know what the result of that is. Jim has said that he's available, not a physical thing. But to hear, like, okay, that's happening at like, – again, I don't want to get into a world of speculation here, but these are – people with lives and personal situations, and I'm just speaking vaguely and generally here, that can work their way into the conversation here. I don't know if that's the case, but there have been times in the past where teams have struggled, not like this, because I've never seen this, but teams that have struggled and you're like, oh, okay, well, that was going on. That makes sense why it leaked its way onto how this team plays on the court. Jim Beheim here last night on Reality versus expectation. I thought we'd be better, but
1: coaches always think that. Coaches are always going to think their team can be better. I think at times this year we played really exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. Uh, In in losses, Miami, North Carolina, Virginia. Um, When we played teams that we were supposed to be, we beat them, but it was a battle. (laughs) They could have gone either way. You know, you're always going to lose a couple of close games. we won four or five on the road that I think normally we, with this team, certainly if we played them right now, we would lose. We just had enough momentum to get those games. Notre Dame, Florida State, you know, those Boston College up there, Georgia Tech. Um, we wouldn't win those games right now the way we're playing. We're just not playing good enough on the defensive end. We were better then. Um, I don't have an answer for why we're not playing better now. Um, I really, I don't. Uh, but you know, again, that's on me. We're not. I'm not getting them to play good enough on the defensive end, and uh, that's the that's the bottom line.
3: We heard Jim coming back to that a number of
1: times last. We just have not been able to stop anybody four games in a row, and you know that's me. Uh, that's on me. It's my defense, and we're not able to stop anybody with it. So
3: that's where we are. Falling on the sword. That's on me. That's my issue. Like, kept coming back to that a number of times last night. I want to put this up again, some things that have been said recently. Now, you know, you're marking the tape here. This is a different time. Syracuse was in the fight versus now where they're pretty much out of the fight and just kind of the level of the competitiveness of what Jim thinks this team could be, Right. But he has given some hints about why he came back, what his future could be, what that decision-making is like, right? And one of the big reasons that he came back for this season was he had a number of young players that he told he would coach. I mean,
1: the roster is important, you know, who we have. But uh, my my whole plan was to get this group in here and – see how we could get them to play and not really think too much about the future other than that we do have an idea of what's going to happen.
3: That's from a previous Jim Beheim show recently, right? There's no recruiting class beyond one commit at this point. William Patterson for next year. Marcus Adams, interestingly enough, this week said he's going to visit UCLA. So I don't know if Syracuse is, is out of that situation. We'll see how that turns out, right? Jim would not have come back had it not been for this class. This is, again, from a a previous Jim Beheim show recently.
1: We have a good plan. Uh, My plan started with getting a good recruiting class in here. If for some reason in the fall that we hadn't had a good recruiting class this year, uh, I probably wouldn't have come back. I told all these guys I'd coach them, and that's why I came back, to coach them and to see how far we can get them. And uh, you're always reevaluating retirement uh, all the time. As I said, it's, you know, my choice to retire if I wanted to. I retire today, next month or next week. But it's still the university decision if I'm the coach here, no matter what I decide. And uh,
3: that's never. So Jim Beheim, there is from a recent uh, Jim Beheim show. What is now the decision-making process? Because what he referred to there was there was a plan that was clear. Recruits coming in, want to coach them, told them I coached them, right? So here we sit today with this team playing about as lousy as it can, and we'll see how they finish the season. A plan's got to be put into place for whoever is coaching and what the plan is with the portal, with name, image, and likeness, with assembling next year's team and assembling the plan for next year's team. That cannot wait too long you want to be respectful of those conversations and those decisions and those end of the season conversations and the just unstable environment that college sports is in today. It unfortunately maybe would rush that decision a little bit more, but it's Jim's talking about it there on a show. He doesn't hide from these conversations. He's about as locked in as can be on the season when the season's happening. But that is the overwhelming feeling I walked away with last night for the first time, for all the hundreds of times We've discussed this. I've never had the feeling this could be it. So, listen, I'm not saying anything that's not utterly being said out there. I realize that mentioning something like this on a show, on a platform like this, could accelerate the thinking. But there are times when you mirror me and there are times when I mirror you. And in this case, I mirror you there is a growing sentiment here that ironically could work out to Syracuse's benefit to bump attendance at this game of the belief, like, man, if this is Jim's last game, I want to be there for it. Big if no one is saying that needs to be declared one way or the other, but I have a pretty strong feeling here as down as things are that amongst the celebrations on Saturday, are going to be a hearty send-off, if that's in fact what people think it could be, for Jim Beheim. Jerry takes the spotlight as he should. Hakeem Warwick takes the spotlight as he should. The 2003 team, we've talked about this all year, Jim coached that team. Jim is a part of that. He's a part of that celebration. So that actually works out naturally. So in the applause for that team, coached by Bayheim and the juxtaposition of the peak of the Beheim era versus the low point of the Beheim era coming together here on Saturday. Put aside all the frustrations people have in the here and now and the micro. Syracuse fans are going to have an appreciation for Beheim for his career, for everything, just in case on Saturday. And you know what? That's kind of the world we live in today. There are players that you're going to have to show that appreciation for because you just don't know if they're going to be back or not because of the nature of college sports today, the transfer portal, the NBA draft. Senior day has taken on a different tone in recent years, right? Because it's almost senior day slash who could be in the portal day slash who who could be going to the NBA draft slash I don't know, so I'm just going to say goodbye anyway type of day. The reality now is that there is going to be a belief in that building that this could be Jim's last game in the Dome. That's just what's out there now. I think people are like, man, just in case. because you just don't know in sports today. You just don't know in college sports today in particular, as volatile and unpredictable as it is. Down to Tampa we go. Our friend Marty joins us here on the block, ESPN Radio, com. You know, Marty, I've talked to you a lot here, and uh, old man Winter has not been a part of the conversation, but he's made a nice little comeback uh, the past week or so. So I hope you're enjoying the uh, weather down in Tampa, my friend.
0: Yeah, you no, know, it's uh, it's it's nice down here right now. It's a uh, very very nice, sunny and, and warm. So, um, it, it'll get better up there. Don't worry, Weeho. it's coming. Summer. summer's coming. Hey, I just want to give you an anecdote. Sure, Brent, in my personal situation. So Saturday, my wife and I had some schedule toward right when the game was going to be on. Mm-hmm. And um, I, if that happens, I DVR and go back and watch the games. So with everything that has transpired, I told my wife, we can't go Saturday. I, it may be Bayheim's last game in the Dome. I got to watch that live. Yeah. We canceled, we canceled our uh, appointment or our, our uh, whatever it was, date, or whatever we had there. So they just that's anecdotally somebody. Yeah. You know, I live halfway across the country, but I got to see that thing live. I can't watch a DVR because that may be it.
3: Marty, you, I think, speak for a lot of people that had that feeling and thanks for the call as always my friend during the game last night after the game last night whenever it occurred to people people are savvy people are smart people hold on a second here if this goes the way we think it could as frustrated as I am right now with the state of the program I also want to give the proper send-off to this man so I think that's something that I don't think Jim's gonna think about because he just doesn't think that way but if I'm Syracuse I'm thinking long and hard about that. Like, if we're going to do this right, even in a wink-wink, nudge-nudge type of way, you've got to think about that. And I'm just here to tell you, the fans are already thinking about it. Marty proving my point. Which, by the way, this is all done out of love and out of appreciation and out of respect. Like, for the fans to put aside the product they've watched. And think how that could galvanize the team. They kind of need it, by the way. Like, it, this could be, if you want to look at it poetically, this could be like the one last coaching surge for Jim Beheim in a way. Like, the irony to rally the team to beat Wake Forest in one last home game is not what he does as a coach, but just his status as the coach. It's a hell of a story if you think about it, right? Two games to go at the very least. Don't doubt what could happen here down the road. Sports are weird like that. We'll break. We'll come back. Stay right there. Practice. QSportsTalk.com. Stay right there.